When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Week Den Update, your weekly dose of everything Grizzlies, presented by the Grizz Den Podcast and the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Will Walker, and I'm joined every week by John Kraft. How's it going, John? Uh, much better than last week. <laughs> so, so a little bit, a little left the dark timeline a little bit um, from last week where we were. Hundred percent. The Grizzlies are five and fourteen. That's still good for fourteenth in the West and twenty seventh in the NBA. However, John, I'm adding a bullet point to our stats at the beginning of the pod every week. And that is how many games back we are from the 10 seed. Right now we are four games back from the 10 seed. We're going to continue to keep track of that throughout the year. We're 28th in offense with 107.7 rating. We are up to 10th in defense with 113.2 rating. That's good for 23rd in that rating at a minus 5.5. Uh, we're going to get into our who's up and who's down. I'm going to, I'm going to take this one first, and I feel like there's an obvious candidate here, and that's Vince Williams, who's gotten an, an absolute opportunity in the last few games to show what he can do. Uh, against Dallas, 15 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 blocks. And then against Phoenix, he had 12 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. Obviously, Dallas was a win, Phoenix was a loss, but he was doing everything on the floor, guarding Devin Booker, um, using, I feel like, all his fouls in a smart way um, and was really making life difficult for uh, the best players on both sides. And so just having the versatility now of another player that we can bring off the bench and trust to do more than pretty much any other player in his position thus far throughout the season has done. And if he's making three-point shots, like that's just, I mean, to me, that that he is a prime candidate to take hold of of this wing spot, which has been an ongoing battle between multiple guys that haven't quite yet um, shown that they belong in that spot long-term. And keep in mind, Vince Williams is still on a two-way deal. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how the Grizzlies handle that going forward. I've just been so impressed with his effort on both ends. And, and like I said, if he can get that shot right, then I think we really have something. Who's your who's up? Yeah, I mean, I, just, I mean, I, I definitely think he's the obvious who's up candidate uh, for this week, and he just um, kind of a breaking out uh, the last three games for sure. And I mean, it, it just shows again, you know, there's this sense of when you look uh, at guys, especially role player types, when they just have something that is seems to be a NBA elite might be strong, but an a a strong NBA skill like just good defense how big of a deal that is. And then you throw in just um, you throw in just motor and, you know, we'll see the three point shot. It seems like when he's open and he hits it, I don't feel bad about him shooting it. So 
So we'll we'll see with that. But just having a motor, having being really good defensively, knowing we can throw him on pretty much any NBA player and he will play good defense. Um, that's just it's just a huge uh, to have somebody like that coming off the bench. So for my my who's up, uh, I have you know a couple a couple candidates. Uh, I think Vince is definitely the the top candidate, but I I want to throw out there Derek Rose. I know the two of us have been very hard on on uh, on Rose, um, despite even like the roots, the Memphis roots, uh, that we've kind of rolled our eyes a little bit about everybody being excited about him being back. But but he was a you know for the Jazz game you know which was a huge win for us. He was a game high plus twenty. Uh, he also played I think really well in the Mavs game. Uh, it, it didn't have quite the stat line that he had in the Jazz game, but it was it's one of those like. You know the the Jazz had. I mean, the Mavs had a pretty good third quarter. The game kind of little get a got a little tighter, and I just felt like he always made plays or made a bucket or just calmed us down in the times that we needed. It was, it was so you know again, uh, we've we've talked about I think a little bit last week that can Derek sort of be a poor man's jaw for us uh, a little bit until we get healthier, and I think. I think uh, for two of those games, he really was. The unfortunate part is he cannot play back-to-backs anymore, and so we did not have him for the Suns, and I think he was really missed in the Suns game. And that would have, you know, I think he would have rivaled Vince Williams um, if he could have played in the Suns game and played well. Um, and just another little little side note for who's up uh, before I get to my who's down because I'm going to ma- make the same people mad. But Gigi Jackson, I just want to say, has been playing really, really well in the G League. Um, and, and I don't, I don't always put my hopes up too much, uh, but in comparison to our other young wings uh, for, who have gone back and forth the last couple years, um, he is being, he's more consistent. His stat line is better and he does feel like, um, what everybody's saying, which is if he would, if he had not, you know, declared early and stayed and been in the draft this upcoming year, that he'd be a top 10 draft pick. And he is looking like that in the G league. So that's also another who's up any thoughts on those. Um, any other thoughts on the who's up? It's just exciting. I mean, the two guys that are you could have made an argument are on the bottom of the pecking order in terms of this future project wing list are the two that are really popping off right now. And obviously, Gigi, I, I don't think it's all it's all going to translate immediately. I don't think he's just a plug and play as an 18 year old yet, but it's the signs are there. Uh, I continue to enjoy every box score that I'm seeing from him. And the highlights have also been really fun. He's just, he, he is the swing that I feel like we, we needed to take at the end of the second round. And, and also just, I mean, with the concerns going in about just off court type stuff or not necessarily just off court in terms of life, it's just more of his relationship with coaches and things like that. We've we've heard no peep of that. And I think that's the most, uh, the second most important thing, the first of which being just how is he playing? So, yeah, that's always fun. It's good to have that, uh, you know, coming down the line. Yeah, it's it's uh, second round upside swings are much more fun than first round upside swings, at least for the, for our front office, which has not seemed to do well with the upside um, swings in the first round. Uh, so then and then for what's down, it's actually nice this week. I felt like my who's down was a little harder to think about. Uh, if y'all listened last week, I had five <laughs> at a top five of who's down. So it's nice. Uh, there's only like a couple that I have in mind. Um, so I'll go one and I'll let you go. And then I have another honorable mention if you don't hit it. But um, but my my who's down and I guess this is this was, I kind of hinted at this with Gigi Jackson. But the um, 
sort of the Grizz Twitter darlings. That's that's my who's down. The people that on Grizzlies Twitter, I always ask if it's all fan bases issue or if it's just the Grizzlies issue that we seem to fall in love with, uh, you know, 11 through 15 on the roster with our two way guys. And and a good reason. I mean, I think we've gotten a lot of really good players um, out of sort of our two-way and then sort of our back of the bench. But we seem to fall in love with guys we can claim on 10 days. And so I say that just because um, it, it looks clearer and clearer that Kenny, uh, that Kenny Lofton Jr. Um, is in real trouble of staying on this roster when John comes back in a couple of weeks. And obviously he is a huge, uh, you know, Grizz Twitter. And, and in some ways FedEx form darling. Uh, the buzz that he creates. And then it looks like same thing. I mean, we'll talk about Noel, I think, in the news and notes. Um, he played one good game, but then he's also uh, he's shooting really bad uh, in his other games. And um, it just I think for me, the the thought that people want to give up guys we have signed, you know, in salary contracts. We can talk more about that in, in the in the uh, in the news and notes section. Uh, but just that I feel bad for them because I think there's uh, very little possibility that Noel and Kenny Lofton are going to be on the roster here um, in, in two to three weeks. My who's down is national TV games. We actually had one on the schedule prior to the John Morant return, and it was supposed to be December 1st against the Mavericks, which we actually uh, – played really, really well in that game and ended up winning by 14. Of course, Luca did not play, uh, which for the record, I don't care. A win's a win. But we did get flexed out of that game, and they showed the Sixers-Celtics game instead, which if you're looking at a national landscape lens, makes a lot of sense. Uh, But I I had that for my who's down because it kind of flew under the radar uh, and because I had it. Basically, the reason I knew this is because I make the the calendar schedules that everybody can download to their phone uh, through go to Grizzden Twitter if you haven't yet because we have that link there um, right when the schedule comes out and we I also list the uh, the networks that the game's going to be playing on and I noticed that I had this last uh, December first game marked down as an ESPN game but uh, all that to say you know obviously the countdown is on for John Morant returning. And all but one of our national TV games, not counting NBA TV, were uh, scheduled with John Morant in mind. So uh, don't fret. The national TV games are coming, but we did miss out on on that first one, which, you know, we kind of did it to ourselves. So that's my who's down. In a week where there weren't a lot of who's downs, we could always say Zaire Williams, of course, that he's just the the placeholder here. Unfortunately, Zaire is... Uh, as I saw even more tweets this morning, um, come out, uh, even you now have national guys like Matt Moore coming out and <laughs> showing the plus minus of Zaire and his trouble, but it's becoming, you know, we can't give jaw the MVP every week. Uh, this was our issue last year. Uh, we might be finding this with Zaire. We just don't want to keep uh, saying who's down, which is unfortunate. He actually played one decent game. Uh, but even then, uh, you know, when you look at how he affected the team, it did not did not really help us much. Um, my other honorable mention, who's down, uh, was just uh, Xavier Tillman shooting threes. Uh, you know, only a couple games uh, of that. It's an honorable mention, something to look out for. I'm hoping, you know, this is a reverse jinx. Maybe he'll come out and start hitting, but uh, it looks really bad. And uh, there's a sense in which I don't know if, if he might need to start acting like he's Stephen Adams and Bismack Biombo at this point, but... Uh, Tillman shooting threes, uh, it, it has a 0% chance of going in at this point in my mind. 
but that's that's my little honorable mention. Who's down? Do you have any others? He's taken ten shots in his two two games of his return, and he's five of those ten shots have been threes over five. So yeah, it's been really really rough. I do not want to see him shoot the basketball again. I think uh, we'll see. Only if he's cleaning up an offensive rebound and has just wide open, because even by the rim, it's it's a little rough for for Tillman. And I think both of us like what he brings in that non-shooting role. Uh, so, like you're saying, the the Ambo Adams, uh, he just he has a nose for the ball on defense and can rebound. But everything else, I mean, obviously he, I, I like him a lot and want him to get a a, a real NBA contract down the line. But we're on a roster that's star for shooting, you need to see more from a guy like that who can space the floor um, if he wants a long-term outlook with the Grizzlies. We'll see. I mean, he's been up and down before. But, right. uh, yeah, just getting into our news and notes, the very first win streak of the season. I just wanted to note that off the top. Don't let the Grizz get hot. Uh, we played really five good halves, in my opinion, this past week. The second half yeah. against Phoenix on the second night of a back-to-back, of course, slowed down. Right. They had both of their two best players, and Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, who are obviously elite at what they do, which is scoring. We are not elite at the scoring part of the game. Uh, one, those two games, uh, one against Utah, second against Dallas, scoring only 105 and 108, and it felt like we shot the lights out in those games, which is just funny. We... Uh, we also yeah. are signing Jalen Noel to a second 10-day contract mm. uh, that was reported by Woj in the last day. And so uh, he did have that game against Dallas, 19 points, four rebounds, uh, yeah. was a big part of that win. And it's just nice to have a, another guy who, for me at least, I mean, he can he can create his own shot, and that's obviously why he was signed. But I appreciate his ball handling. We just don't yeah. have a lot of wings right now who can handle the ball and actually make plays. And it's not as, I mean, he had seven assists across four games. And so he is making some plays and he does, he's not just a, um, you know, he doesn't have blinders on as a scorer. So that's right. good. And seems to just have the skill set to where you can plug and play. So I do like the Noel signing. Uh, I think to me, uh, which you're right about Grizzlies Twitter, just absolutely falling in love with somebody really quick. Like all it takes is one game for us. I will say, you know, I'm enjoying the experience without a lot of the, uh, the long-term outlook. I mean, of course I don't, I don't love Zaire. I don't love Jake. I want them off my roster, but if you're running a team from a business standpoint and those guys have um, more long time, you know, Laravia still has years after this one, Zaire upcoming eligible for an extension. So, there's a lot of of business on the on the other side of the season mm-hmm. to to deal with those guys and potentially hit the trade deadline. We don't know. I mean, there's some guys that are going to be December fifteenth is the inaugural opening of trade season for the NBA because a lot of players that weren't eligible are now eligible to be traded. And so uh, that is that is definitely a a question mark. Is Noel going to be long for the Grizzlies? But it's been a fun experience. Let's let's see how it goes. He was in the starting lineup against Phoenix, and you know didn't do a whole no. lot. So it's it's hot and cold. But that's we are confirmed having him for another ten days on our roster. Yes, yeah, and I and and I say that you know because I actually don't. Um, you know, we we were making fun of of the sort of the funny part of sort of the intelligentsia, uh, the more analytical nerdy Grizzlies fan, uh, you know, Grizz Twitter kind of media people. 
being sort of frustrated with uh, everybody getting so excited about Noel. Uh, and, and at the same time, I, you know, and I probably lean that direction. Uh, but for me, it's just more this thought of like, oh, this guy, we got to keep him, and sort of like, you know, um, you know, we, we can't sort of keep him when we have guys, you know, like a Zaire who is a big, who's a trade asset, even just for his contract and for his salary, even if it's not as a player, um, just to match salaries and things like that. There's just a lot of reasons why I, I feel like this might be the last 10 days we have with him. And, and if he comes back, it'll be maybe later on down the season, we sign him for the rest of the year on a minimum, just because we have a roster spot or something like that, but that he's not, you know, some long-term plan. We found this, this player that none, all the other teams didn't sign uh, this off season because he's just so amazing. No, I mean, I think he showed us the reason, you know, what he is. He's a guy who can go out and get 19 and, and kind of do some things. And he's also a guy who can miss every shot. Um, he's just, he's a, he's an NBA role player type person. So. And when you're looking at the guys that weren't on the roster to start the season and now are, I would say you're going to prioritize Bismack Biombo before you're going right. to prioritize a guy like Noel because you do have Luke Kennard. It was announced actually yesterday that Luke Kennard is expected return to return within two to three weeks. This left bone bruise seems to just be lingering. Uh, and that's right on the John Morant return timeline as well. So, I mean, Luke is a guy that you're going to bring in and he's going to replace a lot of what Jalen Noel does. We don't have another guy who can replace what Bismack Biombo is doing. And so if you're right. if you're looking at it between, okay, who are we going to potentially cut Lofton for and sign, there's only one ro roster spot right now to give up, and it's going to be that that last spot. And I, I would expect Biombo would get prioritized based on what the team need and the right. fact that we don't have guys that are coming back and backfilling what Biombo has been doing. So if you're, yeah. if you're out there and you see tweets about why – haven't we signed Noel or prioritized him to me, it has to do more with Biombo than it does really anything right. else. And, and, in, and in theory, um, and this is where, you know, we'll talk about this more, you know, in the, in the coming weeks with Jock coming back. I mean, the, the theory is it's like, well, but you know, Luke Kennard, does he have sort of like the playmaking or just the kind of like bucket getting in a sense that Jay Noel does? Uh, no, he doesn't. Uh, he he is more of a stop shooter, although he showed a little signs. But what we do have is we have Desmond Bain now playing that role because he actually can rest and we leave Jaw in. And then Bain comes in, you know, in certain segments and plays the role that Noel's playing. And that's the bonus of having Jaw back is that now Desmond uh, is, is the second um, in the starting lineup, but then can be the first in these bench lineups and things like that. And so that's part of, you know, what's going on, but it does, I do think Noel has come in and shown, uh, what it's really highlighted honestly is that our young guys, um, are just not where they need to be that, you know, I really like Roddy, but he, he continues. It's weird. It's like, he's regressed on his dribbling. Maybe he's trying to do more than he did last year but he turns the ball over a lot. That's, I mean, that's the stuff that like you were saying, that's been so great about Noel is he just, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't feel like he's going to hurt you somehow like a missed shot. And this is maybe the argument for, you know, going back to the Dylan Brooks, you know, we were frustrated with all the missed shots and it is a huge deal in the playoffs, but in the regular season uh, with how good our defense is a missed shot is so much better setting up your defense than a turnover. Um, or then, or then honestly, a bad, just a terrible shot, like a hard brick or just a really dumb shot. Whereas like Noel only takes shots that are open that you would want him to take. Um, I wish he made more of them, but that's sort of the, the case. And so, 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but I, because I think he shows the type of player we may need to look at come trade season for when we sort of, uh, you know, upgrade our roster, hopefully shift some things around, free up some spots. Uh, it does seem like that's the kind of player we do need to try to look at. We also had some starting lineup changes in this past week. Uh, we had talked at length about Santi Aldama um, a couple of episodes ago and everything that he added to this group. Uh, he had had some up and down moments in the last week or so. We actually did slot in Derek Rose and David Roddy into the starting lineup. Um, he uh, Rose replaced Gilliard. And a lot of that was Rose being injured. That's why Gilliard was in the lineup. So it doesn't surprise me that that necessarily happened. And Gilliard wasn't, I mean, he had some, you know, he had some better shooting games early on, hadn't done much lately. But then the David Roddy move to me was interesting. It's Jenkins just try, trying stuff. I mean, he liked Roddy in that group. He liked his size. He liked his defense. Santi was uh, a pop off the bench in the last couple of games. You're seeing the the logic of a more full rotation where maybe Roddy doesn't take as much off the table in the starting group as he might if he's in a in a bench unit. And so I liked the move. I think Santi, you could see, go in and out of that starting lineup depending on who's available. You also saw Jalen Noel in for Derrick Rose against the Suns. And this just goes to show, I mean, I'd like to go back and maybe look at how many different starting lineups we've already had throughout the season. But that, to me, highlights Taylor Jenkins is... He's not standing idly by and just letting his rotation be his rotation. Uh, you've also seen some random DMPs like John Conchar against Utah. Zaire Williams has had some way up and down uh, DMPs, even within a game. He might play the first half and not play the second half. He was he had an illness, they said, against Phoenix, which is why he didn't play. But I would just want to highlight again, like in a in a half where the Grizzlies outscored the Dallas Mavericks 59 to 44. Zaire Williams was a minus four. And so it doesn't surprise me that Jenkins is making this move and just trying different things. And so I just want to note that, that we have had some starting lineup changes. And and to your who's up, Derek Rose, is, if he's going to continue to hit shots and settle things down, you know, I don't mind him being the the Band-Aid right now. And, and we're coming up on the, we're in December. Like we're, we're, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel with John Morant. So we'll see how long this, this, this continued changing of the starting lineup happens. But I could, honestly see this continuing to evolve as we go game to game with different matchups. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if, if Jenkins is trying to find like, I, you know, I would like to know, and I, I, I was trying to check some post game if many media asked him, like if he, if this is a matchup dependent thing, or if he's really just trying to find a rotation, like if it's just a general rotation he wants to find, or if it's like, Oh, you know, they have, they have big wings. So I'm going to play Aldama or, you know, like, you know, with other things like, Oh, I'm going to put Roddy in to bring more physicality. Like, I wonder what, uh, how he's thinking, but I do, I do think that that shows that some people like an Aldama might just be better off the bench. And, you know, I, I think unfortunately NBA players, especially, and just everybody cares a lot about starting. Um, I care more about closing who closes the last five or six minutes. And I like that because, Oftentimes it's game dependent how people are playing. Um, but also I think because, you know, sometimes somebody like Aldama, maybe it's better him coming off the bench and getting to be a little more offensively aggressive than in a starting lineup. 
uh, where instead you put in Roddy, who doesn't really have to worry as much about scoring, um, or at least his scoring is just hit an open jumper if they double-team other guys, and he can just concentrate on playing really good defense. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, going forward how we do. But I did like the Rose Roddy in the starting lineup until, you know, again, you know, we only got we only got six games left, but before Jaw comes back. But I did like that. I like that look. I think it it allows us our bench to have a little more pop, and I don't think our starting fi- starters like go down that much. So, another note uh, about the last week: we are three and zero when our effective field goal percentage is just above league average. Effective field goal percentage is uh, takes everything into account, and it also adds a little bit more uh, credit into the calculation for three-point shots and shooting. Uh, so 55% is generally the league average for effective field goal percentage. Like I said, we've surpassed that three times, and we're 3-0 and in those games. And so even against Phoenix, you know, th- I, was, I was impressed with how we fought and who's available yeah. – how the last week before that had gone and how depressing it was when we we just didn't punch early and then we were yeah. down the rest of the game and basically quit. And it wasn't a bad loss, in my opinion, when you're playing a team like that. They were also pretty starved for a win as well. They had lost two straight yeah. before our game. And we were tied in the first half and then just ran out of gas in the second half and they hit some shots they shouldn't have. And we shot over, over 45% in each of those three games. And it's amazing what'll happen when, when you simply hit shots. And of course it's more than that. We're up to 10th right. on defense. And I think that has a ton right. to do with our success, but it just goes to show with a defense that's top 10, you don't need just a warriors level shooting group. You really just need league average or above league average. And if you can find the guys to, to, to get that shooting I- injected then you're going to be more successful. And we'll go through, I kind of went through the games that we played through 19 and, and went back to look and see if we had done enough to win, in my opinion, for these games and what our record would have been. But it, it really does come down to shooting at the end of the game. And that's yeah. that's what we're lacking. And hopefully when Ja comes back and starts to attract way more attention in the paint, we'll have more open shots and, and Luke Kennard right. coming back will help as well. Yeah, I mean, a couple points on that. I mean, that is, you know, that is the hope that while, uh, you know, it's not like all of a sudden, suddenly guys that aren't hitting shots are going to hit shots maybe, but man, uh, the fact when you have a superstar, that might be a half second, one second more for somebody, uh, to have, you know, the ability to get a shot, to get his legs under him. Um, just that little bit more that jaw might create may honestly also just making a really good pass right to the shooter's pocket that jaw does really well as well. Um, all those things, that's the hope, uh, you know, I mean, to your point, I mean, again, people kill me about the shot quality stuff, but, but, uh, you know, Chris Vernon likes to talk about it a lot, but he was talking about how, um, he, when he did it, we hadn't played the jazz yet, but he was saying that shot quality has us at seven and nine. And actually after the jazz game, it would have been eight and nine. Um, and, and again, that doesn't mean because you still got to make shots. Uh, but I think that speaks to Jenkins system and that we do get a lot of open shots and that, you know, we also exchanged a, exchanged some texts about how the fact that we're, we have the worst luck right now. Like we are the team that we are, we are missing the most open threes and people are making the most guarded threes against us. And, you know, I think that will, uh, you know, I think that will regress the mean. I think we're seeing that. 
I think we expected to be an elite defense uh, coming into the year before the injuries, and that would be top five. But we're top ten with all the people that we've had in and out of the lineup. Uh, with honestly only Jaron uh, being an elite defender. Now Vince Williams might be that, uh, but obviously Marcus Smart has been injured a lot. Uh, Vince Williams only played a few games. The fact that we're top ten in defense is pretty incredible, and I think it speaks to Jenkins' scheme. And I think it speaks to us coming into the season, basically being like we. Uh, we know we're a good defensive team and we got, you know, and we're all we care about is the offense, which is, which showed because in the preseason, they were working on a new offensive scheme. They were doing all these things to work on the offense because they knew we're an elite defense. And I think after the first five, 10 games, there was this kind of freak out. People are making threes against us. Why are we guarding threes? But it shows we really are. And I mean, we would be a top five defense right now if we had normal, uh, it, you know, if teams shot normal against us. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't get better. That doesn't mean that we're still, you know, even in the Suns game, the last game, we had a couple real big miscommunications, like where Devin Booker was wide open for threes in the second half that I think that kind of stuff comes on a back-to-back when you're super tired and it's been a long season and the whistle wasn't going your way and all those sorts of things. But I just think it's pretty incredible that we're a top 10 defense with everything that's gone on. And the hope is in bringing one of the best offensive players, uh, in the world onto our team and then hopefully maybe starting to get back uh in canard and marcus smart and some guys that are real nba players uh that uh, that our offense will start to tick up because that obviously i mean it's glaring when you're the second worst offensive team in the league uh but you're a top 10 defense and and honestly the sad part is you know you take out that the beginning 0 and 5 0 and 6 the 0 and 6 start really and just a lot of the chaos that happened um we're exactly we're kind of where we thought we would be, which is sort of maybe slightly below 500, hovering around 500 before Jaw came out. It just stinks that we really got off that bad start, and and like you were saying about a schedule loss with the Suns, you know, normal in other years we would just be like, of course, this is a schedule loss. We're playing, we're playing, you know, a playoff level team uh, with all their play with their two best players on a back to back when they've been struggling. And we're coming in, we have two good wins where we've kind of played above ourselves. Like, this is schedule loss. The problem is, when you start the way we start, we can't have many schedule losses, and we're going to have to win some of these, quote, schedule loss games to make up ground. And that's and that's where it, it does become hard. But I really loved how we played in the first half of that Suns game. I thought that was good enough to beat the Suns. Um, but, you know, we had a tough whistle. I think we started to make mental errors from being tired and fatigued. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are just going to make some shots, and they did in the second half. And so, so that happened. But I do think I'm very encouraged by our defense continuing to climb despite all the changes in lineups, despite playing 10 days, playing two-way guys. And uh, let's hope that just the offense continues to get a little better and we start making some shots. Like, we're not going to be as bad as we are, I, I hope. I hope. I went through the last 19 games and just basically did the evaluation of, did we do enough to win this game? Uh, and the, I have four that I identified as ones that, to me at least, we had done enough, and a couple things here and there down the stretch just led to us getting the loss instead of the win. I have the Nuggets game, second game of the season. Uh, obviously, the Aaron Gordon missed call was huge, and we played well enough to win. I have the, the first Blazers game where we lost uh, another weird Malcolm Brogdon officiating penalty there that hurt us and then we Zyre Williams hanging on the rim there too the technical foul I mean yes that oof man that just that just triggered me a little bit uh we had the jazz at home 
when, of course, the Jenkins rant happened. Didn't have Jaron for the second half of that game. Came back, had a chance to win at the end. Just didn't quite get it. And then lastly, I have the Celtics. I mean, it's funny that the Nuggets and the Celtics are in this list for me, but we had done enough. We were a wide-open Santi Aldama three away, really, from winning. And the rest of the games, how they've shaken out in terms of wins and losses, of course there's ones. There's some in here that I'm, I wish we could have had, but based on how the opponent shot or how we played in terms of effort, I just don't consider that to be enough to necessarily count that as a should have won. But with all that said, I have us down at 9 and 10. If things really shake out how they should have with how we were shooting, how we were playing versus how the other team was was playing. And so when you look at it and really take it holistically, of course you want the record to be better. But to me, we're playing like a team that's just below average, but not as below average as we've been. With Ja coming back, of course the hope is that we regress a bit more and maybe even get some of the some some luck on our side finally. And by the way, the countdown is on. We have six games until John Moran is back. The light is at the end of the tunnel. And that's really the last note I have from this past week is that we can see we can see the light. No, for sure. I mean, that's we we've made it. I mean, and I think uh, you know, what I'm looking at, the key the key number you were throwing out there was that four games back of the 10 seed. And I think if we can get out of, uh, if Jock can come back and we're, we're maybe even six, you know, I mean, obviously I'm going to always be optimistic, but like we can be no worse than six games back. I do think that uh, looking just sort of at the trends, I do think that we can get back in that play in. Um, I don't think it's as crazy as it seemed. Um, you know, and, and it does feel like even looking at, uh, we're like, we're like the best of the worst teams. And so we do have a lot to come back with looking at like net rating. Like we're, we're better than like the, the obvious bad teams, but we're, we're not creeping yet into sort of that contending for playoff spot type team. Uh, as far as you look at the analytics and hopefully with jaw coming back and us getting healthier, our metrics are going to start looking more that way than like you said, just like a slightly below average team. We're going to actually maybe look like a slightly above average team. And then the hopes is if we get fully healthy, make a couple trades, we might actually look like a good team. Um, you know, and by then, you know, being in the right place and then maybe being a team, nobody wants to play um, and hoping that we don't make the play in or don't make the playoffs. But, but that's sort of where we are. But I think uh, with the, I mean, I would say that almost everything that's gone wrong could. And, uh, and the fact that we're only four games out of some postseason play, I think makes me feel a lot better. Uh, knowing that 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 Jaws is soon to come back. Let's move to next week. These two games weren't on the schedule at the beginning of the season because we weren't sure how everything was going to shake out with the in-season tournament. We are we did get assigned two games, and in my opinion, it could have been a lot worse. We we're yeah. traveling to Detroit uh, to play the Pistons. Who, if you haven't been following the NBA very closely, the Pistons are setting records for how bad. They are. I mean, 0-10 in their last 10. Did not win a game in November. So if you think it's been bleak for us, just take a look at Detroit Pistons Twitter. But we play in Detroit on Wednesday at 6 p.m. It's always funny, though. I honestly, I'm honestly, i honestly a little worried about that game because I think you could walk in thinking, you know, Detroit's been just laying down. They just recently got uh, Boyan Bogdanovich back, who he's old, but he can provide something off the bench that they yeah. haven't had. I think he scored like 17 or 19 in his first game off the bench for them. And uh, I'm not 
of course, if you gave me the choice of teams to play, I would choose Detroit out of every other team. And uh, then we have the Timberwolves at home on Friday at 7 p.m. We've already seen the Timberwolves at home once before. They still are going to be without Jay McDaniels. Anthony Edwards is listed as day-to-day, but of course, it's a long time till Friday. My my expectation is that they'll have everybody but McDaniels. And that's, of course, going to be a tough a tough matchup. You would have hoped that maybe a team like the Timberwolves, who have been hot, would have qualified for this in-season tournament, so they weren't eligible to be on this list to play. But honestly, having Detroit on there, getting a third game against them this season, I'll take it. And I am expecting a a one and one record this this week. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's you know what I would say about Detroit is. When, especially last week when you we got dark and, and you, you kept using the word, you know, things like resignation and body language. And we were just, we were just talking a lot about, about uh, losing is contagious. That's the thing you kept saying. And that is the Detroit Pistons because honestly they are not as bad as this record uh, when you look at their roster, but they've had, they've been decimated by injuries just like us. And I actually think that speaks to Jenkins, honestly, a little bit that we have not, that we came back this week with the week we had uh, that we did not kind of continue to lose. Cause that's sort of the way they feel. Um, it is also unfortunate because they are getting healthier. I mean, part of their issue is like no Burks, no Bogdanovich, and they're starting to get some guys back that are decent NBA players. Um, but we should still win this game. They are going to throw everything out at us because when you look at their, um, I mean, they do have some winnable games right after us, but I know they're going to look and think this is the first, this is an under 500 team we're playing. We got to come out. And so I actually think uh, the first quarter, first half of the Pistons game is going to be huge. If we can even just stay with them, uh, I think we're great because I think we're a better team. I think we should beat them, but they are going to, I, but I expect sort of a home run effort because they're going to see us as their chance to end this horrible losing streak. And so I would think that we're prepared. I would think at this point, the Grizzlies aren't overlooking any teams thinking we can come in and beat a team um, with where we are, but we should beat them. Um, It's going to be very disappointing. Um, The dark, the dark timeline, the top five, what's down might be coming back. If we lose this game, Uh, it needs to win. And actually with the T-Woes, I feel good about it. I feel like it's a house money game. Um, I like that. We just played them. I feel like that, you know, I think they've gotten a lot of buzz and then they've kind of settled down a little bit. Uh, like you said, I don't know if Anthony Edwards would be back, but I think we're a little healthier. Uh, Tillman enjoys playing against the T-Wolves. And so I'm be glad to have him back. Maybe we can get a good Derrick Rose game. Um, so we're, we have a few more players than we did the last time we played the T-Wolves. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, we come out and play well. I mean, the T-Wolves game was we got down 15, 15 to 3 after like two minutes of the game, and then it was just over. And we just kind of stayed around there the rest of the game. And so hopefully get off to a better start at home and all those sorts of things. Um, and hopefully the home crowd has a little more. I mean, it's been a long, it'll be a long time between home games. And uh, hopefully the home crowd will be a little more excited now that we're winning some games too. So uh, like you said, I expect one on one, one and one, uh, maybe a slightly hopeful, who knows, two and two. Um, it'd be a pretty disastrous two and two though. Yeah, just note, only five home games in the whole month of December, and one of those is December 31st. And so if you're if you're looking to go to Grizzlies games in the month of December, you don't have a lot to choose from. And honestly, the no. ones that are on the schedule are all really, really good. So yeah. great, great month. Honestly, you're still going to probably get the discounted tickets uh, right now without John Morant. And we'll, 
Speaking of John Morant, let's get to our next 10 game prediction before we end the pod by crowning an MVP yeah. of the week. I yeah. uh, will, I'll go first. Well, it'll actually, actually and it'll be an 11 game prediction this time because we only did nine last time because you're the weird. You're correct. You're correct. Uh, good note there. I am, so I'm going to let you go first because I went first last time. The last nine game prediction we had, we went, we did go three and six. I had said three and six. You had said uh, four and five. And so let's well, get to just made, Santi just made that three against the Celtics. I've been fine. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get to our next 11 game prediction. Kraft, go ahead. Okay. So um, I'm probably going to be more conservative than I would like to be. Um, and kind of one of the things you mentioned was not having very many home games in December. Um, I'm looking at January being the, uh, here's what here, here we come month, um, put the league on notice month for January, but this month I think it's going to be survive until jaw and then getting used to jaw. So I'm, but I'm still liking us. I'm going six and five. I think it is a pretty manageable schedule. I think we saw, you know, again, obviously with the Mavs, we're getting the Mavs at home. Um, obviously we played them without Luca, but we, we did beat them. Uh, I think we showed that, uh, you know, they're not very good when Luca is not there and he is playing with a sprained thumb. Now they are struggling a little bit more than they did. I do hope that maybe we have a little pride knowing we've beaten them. We're not going to let them shoot 24 threes against us like last time. So there's games like that. Obviously the Houston Rockets game, the Dylan comeback game, um, you know, Pelicans Pacers, despite, you know, the wow offensive numbers about the Pacers, uh, they, they're very beatable. Um, you know, you have a lot of teams in there, the Clippers as well. So all that said is six and five, I think we'll be, I think this will be our first slightly over 500 stretch. I am going five and six. A lot of the same things you just said. I, I do think that the jaw integration is also going to be a bit dependent upon what it looks like with Luke Kennard and Marcus Smart and their outlooks. And I'm, it seems as though those are a bit murky at the moment. And so I think there will be a lot of momentum. The I have never looked forward to a regular season game as much as I have this December 21st game against the Pacers, assuming health, assuming everything goes according to plan with Ja. That's just going to be an electric atmosphere. We are on the second night of back-to-back on the first game that he's eligible to come back. So we will be in Oklahoma city Monday, December 18th, and then new Orleans game on December 19th. It's the one where he's slated to come back. That's on TNT. So uh, first real national TV game of the year. And yeah, yeah. that thunder game is going to be the weirdest game of the year to me. Cause I feel like, um, especially the way they're playing right now, that that's a very seemingly expected loss. And I just wonder, <laughs> like, whereas I think the Pelicans should like, that's a very winnable game. So it'll be interesting to see how we deal with that being the front end of the, the back to back there. Not only that, you have the Dylan Brooks return to FedEx forum the Friday before at home. And so this just, you got the Oklahoma city sandwich right now in that schedule. And then the really the the back half of this eleven game prediction is where you get into a four game road trip. Well, we don't have the full road trip counted in our next eleven, but yeah, I'm just right. I still think with with six games to go till Ja comes back, even in one of them being against the Pistons, I just I can't quite get there with a winning record. But I do have hope that it's not going to be near the win percentage of that three and six that I. Uh, that I predicted last time. So yeah. five and six, my final call for the next 11. Yeah. All right. 
MVP of the week. I'll go first on this one since you uh, went first on the uh, game prediction. I am finally going to give it to Jaron Jackson Jr. He had uh, He's a huge part of why our defense has gotten into the top 10. He had a six-block night against that must-win game against the Jazz last week. Also scored a team-high 20 points. Didn't play great against the Mavericks. Had some foul trouble. Right. We didn't actually need him, though, which was the beauty. Right. We uh, really... I would say if there was ever a game throughout the season where we he could afford to be in foul trouble, it was that game. And then he came out against the Suns, had a huge bounce back, scored 37 points. I believe that's uh, second off, uh, the second ranked in his career high in a game. Also had nine rebounds. I'll, I love seeing him rebound the basketball, especially against an inferior paint team like the Suns. So really Jaron Jackson, to me, after a rough stretch – has bounced back. I, uh, it's not going to be an every night thing for Jaron, but we saw enough of what we needed from him to, like I said, vault us into that defensive top group and then doing enough. He's hitting shots on the offensive end, and that's really all we can ask. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, MVP for me is Jaron as well. Um, yeah, it is weird when you have one game that that's kind of so-so. But even then, he only played like 15 minutes, but I do think when he was in there, he controlled the paint. And I think he set a tone defensively that the rest of our team, I know that people were talking about the Jazz game, that he talked more than he's ever talked on defense. I do feel like the last three games he really has stepped up. And fortunately now we're starting to see, like, you know, uh, it just feels like, hey, if you have Jaron, and if you have Jenkins coaching the team, we have a top 10 defense. Like it's just, you can bank it. And, and I think that's just an exciting thing to kind of know we have in our pocket. Um, and that's exciting. And, and the biggest thing, you know, one of the things for me, for Jaron, uh, because we, we talked and we didn't get into the weeds too much, but free throw rate, we always talk about free throws and we're like the worst uh, offensively. And then, and then part of one of our issues, I think keeping us from being an elite elite defense is that we are still fouling too much and putting too many people on the line as well. Um, and I think that also has to do with that. We're playing a lot of back of the end, two day guys, uh, 10 day guy, two way guys, 10 day guys, uh, that refs don't respect to. Uh, but what's really exciting is Jaron, um, is now, uh, he is third in fouls drawn for the year. So it is, which I think is a pretty incredible stat. When you think about us talking about Jaron not playing physical or not being down low enough or all the complaints that you hear all the time about Jaron, the fact that only Giannis and Embiid, two obvious candidates <laughs> for getting fouls drawn, have been fouled more. And guess who's been in the top 10 of fouls drawn the last few years? That is John ja Morant coming. And, and so there is this excitement to me that if Jaron can continue to play that way where he draws fouls, getting respect from the referees, and you bring Jaw back, who we know draws fouls, and we begin to get in to get in the bonus early in quarters. Uh, that that actually, honestly, I, I I've held back on some of this because I want to talk about Jaron MVP. Uh, that that really hurt, hurt, killed us with the Suns. That they were able to get in the bonus really early against us. Durant and Booker do that, but if we can start doing that to teams. I feel like uh, because we aren't a horrible free throw shooting team, we just don't get there a lot. And I feel like if we can get on the start, getting on the line more and more, we can that can be an aid to our offense, uh, which still struggles to make shots in the run of play. 
But if we can get that free throw rate up where we're shooting more free throws because we have two guys who are in the top 10 of fouls drawn, I think that that could be really, really good for us. And so that's sort of a hopeful thing out there. But that's been an exciting development for Jaron that I just honestly I did not see coming for him being a guy who drew a lot of fouls all the time. So that's been exciting. But but obviously amazing defense. And uh, he played great this week. So he's a deserving MVP for me. You know, just reminds me of grit and grind basketball. Just muck it up. Just get in the paint. Don't don't worry about the jump shots. Just let's keep driving. Let's keep drawing fouls. Let's let's make the other team mad. Uh, and also, if, yeah, if you're we go, down, go back to win, win, you know winning games, uh, not scoring a hundred. Uh, yeah, you know, unfortunately, in this today's NBA, it's we have to we have to win games scoring one hundred five and one hundred eight. But but it, whatever works. That's right. Uh, this has been a, a fun edition of the weekend update, mainly because we were able to talk about a winning week. And so yes. we will be back with you next week after this weird in-season tournament week. You'll see some some games from Vegas in the latter half. I believe the games are Thursday and Saturday. So the, the semis, Thursday, finals on Saturday night. If you're a Fantasy Hoops player, you'll notice a lot of weirdness with, with that schedule for sure. So NBA is not going to look as it traditionally does this week. But honestly, the less games, the better. It just means it's you know, more opportunities for rest, more opportunities for the Grizzlies to get right from a health perspective. And then, like I said, the countdown is on. Six games to go until John Morant is back. For Kraft, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us on this Monday morning. We will talk to you next week then.